Hello and welcome to Powerband Podcast, New Zealand's premier motorcycling podcast made by Kiwi Riders for Kiwi Riders. My name's Ray here and joining me this episode, it is Matthew Day Gillett. Hello. Hey man, good to be back. Feels like ages since we've yarned. It's been a week or two since we've actually recorded together, right? Yeah, it feels like I've had a bit of a holiday from you or something. <laughs> and the sad thing is we've got one more episode, which is this episode, and then we're on on Christmas break. And we this is the last one, not only for the year, but for the decade. Oh, that's scary, man. Don't... <laughs> <laughs> That's scary and sad to think of. So this episode, we're going to take a bit of a retrospective as to what we have ridden for 2019, and we're going to compare a few bikes, and then we're going to take a look at what uh, what we want to achieve for 2020, and I've got a couple of predictions for 2020 as well, plus a massive announcement, which if you stuck with us through most of this year, uh, it's kind of coming full circle. I'm not going to ruin it too much, we're going to talk about that at the end of the podcast. Matt, welcome back to New Zealand. <laughs> Zealand, uh, after riding, I'm so I was so jealous, and I didn't even want to look at the pictures. But then I looked at the pictures, then I looked at the videos, and then I just got all g'd up for it. Riding that T7, the Yamaha Tenere 700. Yeah, I don't blame you for being jealous. It was an epic trip. Um, though I've got to be honest, by day three, it was a five day ride. I was ready to come home to my family. And then I got to day five and I was like, oh, well, just a few more days. Uh, it, was, uh, it was one of those traps. Uh, but honestly, yeah, uh, if you're listening to this episode, chances are you listened to last week's episode. And and if you haven't listened to last week's episode, go back and listen to it. It's the uh, the it's episode 19, season four, episode 19, and it is the Tenere launch special. Yeah, good, what, 40, 45 minutes we ended up uh, getting that down to, which is not bad considering I rambled on and basically said the same thing over and over and over again and you made it coherent. Um, but no, it was honestly phenomenal, phenomenal bike. I know I've said that over and over again, but for 17 grand, um, it's the only Japanese bike, so Japanese reliability, Japanese build quality, um, that's the only bike in the adventure segment now because as of April next year, the KLR 650 is going to be out the door. The DR 650 is going to be out the door. Um, there's not going to be any competition from Japan um, at this stage anyway. Um, but yeah, it was honestly just an epic trip. And be honest, I genuinely wouldn't have expected to um, handle the trails and the conditions we did on that bike as well as I did. Um, so I gave myself a pat on the back at the end of that trip for surviving it. I only fell off four times in total. Um, and I'm only rocking one bruise still, so I'm counting that as a win. Fantastic. Right, let's talk about the bikes we have ridden this year, and I'm going to kick things off. Of course, uh, the Yamaha MT-07, the 2014 model. I've done 14,000 Ks this year, uh, pretty much worn through a set of Michelin Road 5s as well, great tyres, uh, and got that tail tidy finally installed as well, so the bike's looking great. Of course, it is still just a, a commuter machine, and looking forward to what may come in uh, the next 12 months. Other bikes uh, sold the Yamaha WR250 uh, Dirt dirt Scoot, the uh, the dirt bike. Dot gone but not forgotten. It was an absolutely brilliant bike. A uh, little bit long in the tooth though. Uh, bikes that we haven't owned. Well, I rode the uh, the Beta RR range, the 250, uh, the, the 125 two-stroke, the 200 two-stroke, the 354 stroke, 394 stroke, and the 494 stroke. I would take any one of those bikes out for another in a heartbeat. Uh, Tusk Buster 2020, more info on that soon though. I would love to take that 4 
94 stroke out? Oh, see, I'd, oh, I'd be tossing up between the 350 and the 394 stroke. Well, I'd be happy with either, but I know I can't do Tussock Buster 2020, so... Yeah, that's a bummer. <laughs> but I'd love to go on those beaters again. They were good value. Managed to get my leg over a bit of orange this year. Uh, the KTM 790 Adventure R. Not long after that was launched in the country, I got one of those and took it out for a bit of a hoon on uh, a bit of dirt. That was a great bike. Yeah, speaking of bikes being jealous and such, um, I still haven't had a chance to ride that. So, um, yeah, I'm a bit jealous that you've ridden that and I haven't. So, um yeah. <laughs> Interesting bike. Uh, loved it on the dirt. Uh, loved the electronics. Not a massive fan of it on the open roads. Uh, you know, 100Ks an hour. That wasn't it. Wasn't amazing. Uh, another orange bike that was amazing on the open road, though, the KCM Duke 790. Did a uh, an almost 1,000K road trip on that, and that was a brilliant bike. Uh, you used to say it was a bit of a Tonka truck, but uh, well, I kind of fell in love with the uh, the plastic. Yeah, I just, oh, I just look at the plastics on that, and they just remind me of this Tonka truck toy I had as a kid and I just can't move past it um, it's a great bike great engine um, really fun bike to ride but yeah just <laughs> that's the thing that's stuck in my head and it's preventing me from loving that bike all wholeheartedly uh, speaking of another bike that I absolutely loved the Super Duke 1290R which I rode not long after I gave the Duke 790 back uh, that was Perla. I mean, way too much power, way more power than you would ever need on the road, but uh, a really fun bike and really smooth. I actually found it more smooth uh, to ride around in traffic than the 790. Ah, that's interesting because, like, the whole 790 thing is it's a fun, precise scalpel um, for tearing up the road. Uh, but the scary, what is it? What do they call it? The Beast. The Super Duke 1290R is the Beast. Um, Funny that it's um, the more civilised of the two. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely like, it was like having a jar of cookies on the top shelf in the kitchen. No point having them because you can't reach them, you can't use them. But uh, I guess maybe the, the engine internals had more inertia or something. It just, it wasn't as, as twitchy. It was, it was, there was power up the yin-yang. It was just a lot smoother to ride. Ah. Speaking of smooth bikes to ride, we got, uh, well, I got to sling a leg over a couple of Suzuki's for a bit of a midwinter adventure. Uh, the DL650 V-Strom. Wow, that's a smooth bike. Uh, just, just so, just, I got no other words to describe it. Just smooth. Yeah, oh, mate, the V-Strom 650, it is just, it's one of the all-time greats. I, I'll just keep going back to when I last rode a V-Strom 650, which was, I think, 2015, a couple of months after I had a crash, and it was just the right ticket at the right time. Like, the bike was just so smooth, so comfortable, so predictable. Like, it's a great bike if you have not great road confidence. i tell you what, another uh, another great bike, though. Another outstanding bike. Now, this bike is like the 1990s Hilux of bikes, uh, and it's days could well be numbered the Suzuki DR650SE. Now, when I got this, it had five kilometers on the clock. So I was told to be nice to it and, you know, break it in gently. Uh, I rode it over the Wainui Mata Hill, as I do with all bikes, because I've got to bring them home sooner or later. And the uh, the header pipe was glowing red. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd believe that, um, considering what you've absolutely destroyed a set of... Um tyres in a reasonably quick amount of time going over that hill. Yeah, I've done 14,000k though. Yeah, but mm, you still got meat on the top of the, those uh, 
tyres, though, don't you? Just not the sides. So <laughs> yeah. You say That's you- what the warrant guy said. The warrant guy said, no more corners. <laughs> but the old DR, the dog router, as some people may call them. Or outstanding bike. <laughs> hey? Have you heard people call them the bush pig? Um, yeah, great bike. I would take one of them uh, off-road any day of the week. And, of course, there's a massive array of uh, accessories, aftermarket bits and bobs for them. And uh, they're... they're, they're what are they? What are they classed as? I mean, they're a, they're a naked bike. You would call that no screen or anything, right? They're a road legal trail bike, really. Like they're a big old something um, six fifty trailer. Um, they're not really an adventure bike, though. Suzuki puts them under the adventure category. They're not really a road bike because they're based on that off road design. Um, but they're just a good, honest. Um, yeah, basic bike that does the job and does it well. What uh, what Ben Wilkins and I worked out is that if you put a screen on the front of one of them, it's actually very comfortable because you don't have the wind hitting you in the face and the chest forcing you back into that seat. So if you put a screen on the front, the seat becomes a lot more comfortable as well. And of course, the standard Ooh. ergonomics on them, you can stand up on them nice and easily. So uh, if you've got maybe a, an adventure tank or something, you know, a bigger tank, uh, you could quite easily do, uh, you know, from from go to woe, petrol station to petrol station, and empty that tank easily without getting too cramped up. Yeah, well, what is it? Suzuki often does those Achebe tank deals where you buy the DR and you get like a free 20 litre... Um, a Chevy fuel tank to go with it because the standard tank's not huge, is it? It's about what ten liters. No, as I found found out on the way back from uh, Ikatahuna, uh, when I ran out of gas. Yes, they're not massive. We thought we would make it back to Masterton easy, piece of pie. But no, came around a corner and then uh, the uh, basically the back wheel locked up because of the compression. Um, oh, because it just stopped. And so I, um, I, up, I managed to flick it onto reserve before we stopped and, and keep the thing going. But, uh, and lucky there was a reserve, otherwise I wouldn't have known. But um, I mean, very agricultural, very basic, very down to earth, nothing to go wrong. Um, and if you, if you get a chance to ride a DR650 SE, I highly recommend it. Those are my bikes for the year. So we've got the Yamaha MT-07, Yamaha WR250, the Beta Range, uh, KTM Duke 790, Super Duke uh, 1290R, KTM. KTM uh, 790 Adventure R, the Suzuki DR650, and the Suzuki DL650. Those are my, uh, my my top bikes for the year. I think there's been a few others in there that I've ridden, but those were the, the, the ones that stood out to me in the last 12 months. Uh, ahead to 2020, looking forward to riding a Tenere 700. Really looking forward to comparing the Tenere 700 to the 790 Adventure R. I know you're not meant to, but... For me, that this is where I want to go with my with my bike. I want to sell the MT-07. I want to get an adventure bike of sorts. So I'm looking at the Tenere 700, but I can't buy one without riding it. Uh, up against that will be the 790 Adventure R. And also, before I think, I think out of those two right now, I'd go for the 790. Sorry, I think out of those two right now, I'd go for the T7. But once I've ridden those two, I'd also need to throw in a Honda Africa Twin. Oh, the, the new 1100 or the 1000? I don't know. I haven't given that much <laughs> thought. But I really like the Because you could probably grab a 1000 for the price of a T7 with the new 1100 coming out. Wow, that's actually a fair point. I really like the look of them. Even the slightly older one that, um, that old, uh, what's his face? Um, 
Jock McLaughlin's got. I really like, I think they look fantastic. To me, they're kind of like the angry version of your bike. Yeah, yeah, it's got a scowl going to it. Yeah, definitely. I, though, I don't know. I kind of keep thinking after coming back from that T7 launch, like I, I definitely know I want to take the rally out and do some trail rides with it, put some proper knobby tyres on it and stuff because now I know I can actually confidently do that kind of ride. But also I'm thinking, oh, but if I upgrade my bike to something bigger, I won't be able to actually have that ability. And then I'm like, uh, uh, uh. But um, yeah, we'll see what 2020 brings, shall we? Yeah, for sure. Now t- um, tell us, uh, you've ridden a whole lot more bikes than I have, uh, but give us the, the highlights over the last 12 months. All right, well, the highlight reel. Um, yeah, as you said, I have ridden a lot of bikes, and to be honest, some of them have been quite forgetful um, because I can't remember most of them. Um, but this is the highlight reel. So obviously... January this year, I bought my CRF 250L Rally. I'm still reasonably in love, though I desperately want to do something about the suspension, um, and I want to swap the um, Avon Trail Rider tyres out now for something more knobby so I can chuck it at some trails, because uh, come... Ooh, come February 20 next year I'm putting its registration on hold for six months and I won't be riding it on the road and it's going to be parked in a barn um, in the Coromandel because um, tiny human on the way but uh, yeah so that was probably the first highlight of the year. Oh, it's a bit disappointing that not only are you not going to get to ride it you've got to go and hide it from the two tiny humans that'll be in the house Christ! If anything it's hiding it from myself because I look at it and I get depressed to go oh like I've been looking at it for ever since I got back from the Tenere launch and I'm going, I just want to go ride you. I want to go ride you. But the, like we're running up to Christmas and everything, like there is not a free moment at all. Like you're just constantly going, oh, I've got to go off to this Christmas party. I've got to do Christmas shopping. I've got to go do this family event. And like before you know it, the, the year's going to be gone. Um, and I'm not expecting to ride the bike um, before New Year's, to be honest, uh, which is quite a shame because... Um, yeah, registration's not cheap. <laughs> but anyway, moving on. Um, another highlight for me, riding the BMW R1250 GS and GS Adventure early in the year as well. I think it was about February. Um, and yeah, it's clear there's a reason why uh, these bikes are often referred to as the king of the adventure segment. They're just so, so good, so comfy. Definitely more of a long-haul uh, bike instead of doing technical uh, slow trail riding like I did on the T7 man what a great bike and that new 1250 engine is insane it is so good with the variable valve timing now I'm sort of going to mix it up from here because I sort of just blurted out what came to mind Piaggio MP3 that was another bike I had earlier in the year Um, it's a really cool scooter three-wheel jobby but um, for where it sits in the market like it's still a scooter at the end of the day I think it was priced around $14,500 and that's the problem with that bike it's just it's cool but man is it expensive it's cool but not cool enough to justify that kind of price tag when at fourteen grand, let us say 15 on road uh, well that's that's there's a lot of bikes you can get for 15 grand, right? Well, I think the problem is there's a lot of second-hand Japanese cars you can get for that money, and really good ones too. Yeah, because most people buying a commuter, like, they're going to want a roof on over their head, something they can do for a full year, and that's what I pointed out when I wrote uh, the review in the Herald. All right, moving on, um, the beta range. Um, so I was also on that launch with you, and I loved getting out in the dirt and uh, popping my trail ride cherry. I definitely, definitely have had the trail ride bug ever since then. Uh, obviously for me, uh, the 490 was a bit big for me, um, but intimidating, but the 390 was just a gem of a bike. Um, I would hands down, if the opportunity came up and I had a free weekend to go do a trail ride and that bike was dangled in front of me, I would leap at it. 
Another bike I wouldn't mind jumping on again, uh, BMW G310GS. Obviously, for the value, uh, for the entry price, it's under 10 grand brand new, and to get into that GS lifestyle, so working your way up to the R1250GS, oh, it's great value. All you need to do is chuck some decent tyres on it, and it can actually haul us in the gravel. Check out our GS Rally episode of the Power Out Band podcast and see why. Such good fun. Um, another surprising bike, Yamaha Niken. Another three-wheeler. We're really, really weird looking. Very hard to look at, actually. But holy hell, that thing was so confidence-inspiring. Short story, it, I picked it up pissing with rain, and I decided to ride around Auckland's Hanua Ranges. Slippery roads, lots of slips. That bike just took it in its stride. It's just a shame it looks the way it does. Um, I'm sure if it looked a lot more like, say, the MT-10 or the MT-09, they'd probably have a lot easier time selling them. And now we get into the international travel section of Matt's highlights of the year. Um, so obviously, starting first to last, Motoguzzi V85TT. Um, I got to ride that in Thailand, got to get it stuck on a beach, had Jock from Kiwi Rider bail me out, because uh, he's a good bugger. Oh, just such a beautiful and character-filled bike. And it's under $20,000 uh, if you don't go for the multicolored paint scheme like you've got a tft you've got uh, traction control abs really sturdy luggage rack built in ability to take a pillion it's just really well suited to adventure touring um, again it's 19 inch front wheels so you wouldn't really be doing really gnarly adventure riding on that bike but for something that you just want to get out see the country on it's really well suited to our um, roads um, and i wouldn't mind actually having a go on that again as well Next up, Harley-Davidson Livewire. I couldn't have my highlights list without this bike. It was mind-blowing how good this bike was. Equally mind-blowing was the price that it's likely to be. It's somewhere between forty dollars and $50,000 if you convert the US price, which is just under $30,000 US dollars to New Zealand dollars. So, yeah... Um, awesome bike incredible that Harley Davidson are the ones that actually brought it out first like there's still no other mass market mass produced um, electric bikes from any of the major manufacturers Um, which and I would have thought at ICMA this year you would have seen some people going all right cool we're getting on that bandwagon Um, but no so that is due out in August um, between August and October next year and I will be lining up with the rest of them to have a go in New Zealand on that bike and of course, the last highlight, we've spoken about it already, the Tenere 700 from Yamaha. Um, $17,000 for that price, it is epic value. Um, I'd only change, really at the end of the day, two things. I'd put a set of bark busters on because when I fell over in a rut, I managed to snap one of the factory handguards. Um, and I put adjustable levers on it and that's it. It is such a good bike for the money. It's so confidence inspiring. That MT-07 engine awesome um even with the factory exhaust it sounds beautiful that 270 degree crank it is a really really nice bike um and again if the opportunity came up to have a good hoon on one of those i would uh, be in with a grin because basically what i got back from australia nearly two weeks ago now and still can't stop thinking about it <laughs> so uh yeah that's those are my highlights um going into 2020 well yeah, come March, I'm going to have a baby girl. So I'm just hoping for any riding I can get my uh, butt onto, really. Uh, any riding at all, and I will be a happy camper. But uh, yeah, CRF 1100L uh, Africa Twin. 
that's on my list. Uh, there's also a few other things. Uh, RS660 from Aprilia. That looks like it should be good fun. So um, hopefully, uh, when that lands and uh, Aprilia New Zealand launch it, um, I'll get a chance to ride it. So uh, yeah. 2020 here we come another bike that's coming out next year that i'm really looking forward to is the triumph tiger uh that's apparently going to be launched around about april 2020 um yeah yeah the new 900 um that should be good though i've sort of after riding the tenere um the triumphs like it's um the complete opposite like it's got all the electronics it's uh, got that triple cylinder engine it's Ah, oh, it's all tech, all tech, tech, and I'm sort of thinking, ah, oh, that'll be interesting to ride. Like I've kind of, I've almost gone fully off all the technology. I'm becoming an old man like Jock who doesn't like tech at all. <laughs> is it is it just me, or is it almost like the uh, the Tenere 700 has come in and it's it's uh, it's separating what used to be known as the adventure category? It's kind of going right. Adventure is now two things. You can have your adventure bikes, your um, your your R twelve fifty GS and GSAs. You know your big tank of the th- of the things with with adventure tires and decent um, suspension travel that you can take on a gravel road and maybe a paddock. And then you've got on the other end of the spectrum your rally slags, your uh, your lightweight, uh, no electronics, nothing goes wrong, uh, Tenere's, WRs. Those sorts of things. Is it just me or is that kind of separating that that category? I think and, it's and, highlighting the differences, to be honest, because... Um, and Suzuki's in there as well with the DR650. I mean, sure, it doesn't have ABS, but in there. Yeah, but again, um, like we said earlier, those bikes are doomed. Like, it's, If not next year, the year after, you're not going to be able to buy them new. Um, and yeah, that market is basically going to be if you want to get into the um adventure category um with a no frills bike um you're either getting geez like trying to think (laughs) i'm guessing a crf 250l rally or a crf 250l um maybe a cb uh, 500x um which isn't the most capable thing or you've got the tenere it's the last bike um, it's the only bike that is really a proper entry into that um, decent adventure market. Mm, mm. So predictions for 2020. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if we start to get whispers from Yamaha of a Tenere 900 based off maybe the Tracer 900, MT-09, that sort of thing. Funny you say that. So um, I got to speak to the project lead of the Tracer, not Tracer, the Tenere 700. Um, when we were in the middle of nowhere in Australia and a lot of guys are bringing that idea up and he wasn't ruling it out but he wasn't ruling it in either um, so it would be interesting because I'm thinking there is a space in the Yamaha lineup for that and instead of going the same route as the 700 which is the back to basics pure you've only got the stuff that you've mandated to have the abs everything else it's just pure motorcycle i wonder if they you know, yamaha might pitch a tracer 900 or mt09 based tenere 900 directly at those european bikes because you're going to have the norden 901 uh the tiger 900 um there's rumors that the 790 is going to be an 890 uh, very soon as well um, that whole European segment, they're all bigger and they're all tech heavy. So I wonder if Yamaha might actually go, 
actually, yeah, we could do this too, and we could do it better and cheaper. And Yamaha can do it. They've proven that they can do the tech side of things, especially when you look at the Nikon. Um, you know, they've gone crazy with the amount of tech that's in that. Uh, not 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 just electronic tech as well, but you know, uh, getting getting the the whole front end to work the way it does. Yeah, it's the clever thinking that they do really well. The clever thinking and the packaging. Yeah, that's what it is. Clever thinking, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's one thing that I wouldn't be surprised. Also, I'm looking uh, at Suzuki and fully expecting to hear something about a Jixa 150 with ABS. See, I'm not too sure it'll be a 150, but I think there's a 200 or a 250 that's just been launched in India this year. And it wouldn't surprise me that if... Uh, Suzuki were to do something with that part of the market um, because again that horrible ABS law comes in in um, April and basically kills most of Suzuki's lineup um, then yeah I'm wondering if the um, the new Jixa from India will have ABS because it'll be a bigger bigger engine um, if it has ABS I just wonder if they'll be able to sell it at such a price point because I think that's one of the reasons that little 150 has been so successful like you go to Auckland and you see them everywhere um, like you literally see them everywhere on every corner there's a Jixa 150 almost because they were selling them for two grand like two grand for a proper motorbike yeah. but I mean the the, the the R1.5 does it have ABS? no not currently that I know of. See, what else you've got? Have you got in that 150 market? Ooh, a Honda Shadow 150, which let's face it, looks hideous. Yeah, <laughs> um, not a sport bike, is it? No, not a. Not doesn't look very appealing. Um, and yeah, but I reckon I reckon you're going to see something. You're going to see something in that 150 mark, that uh, that 150 cc bracket. That's going to even if the price goes up a bit, there's going to be a bit of tech in, in you know injected. Even if it's not a Jixa 150, if it's a new bike, I think there's going to be something in that really small displacement category with ABS because I, I just can't see Suzuki going. You know what, sweet, we'll just we just won't have that bike in New Zealand anymore. I just it doesn't it doesn't make sense in my head. Uh, especially considering it's like it is the number one selling bike in the country. Yeah, it's honestly I I feel for Suzuki because they've been putting it's in Suzuki's a, bread and butter. It's where they're making their yeah money. that and the farm bikes. Thankfully, the farm bikes aren't affected by the whole ABS thing. But yeah, I really feel for them because it's like they've had the rug pulled out from under them because they've been selling these nice, affordable, easy to get into, um, inexpensive bikes and. As soon as you throw ABS into the mix, you're watching your price uh, shoot right up because you got to get the ABS to work. It's not like you can take an ABS unit from one bike, put it on another one, and expect it to work. It's got to be calibrated and tested and homologated and... It gets very expensive very fast from what I understand. These are only our predictions though. I have no, I've, I literally have nothing to back this up. There's no, I haven't heard anything. And, and, and to be honest, between you and I, if, if, if somebody's going to hear something, it's probably you. Um, one more though prediction for this year, for 2020. I'm expecting Eichmann next year to be absolutely chocker full of electric bikes. Yeah, I'm hoping that'll be the case. Um, yeah, after riding that Harley and then watching Eichmann roll past this year with nothing um uh, yeah i'm hoping the rest of the market will get in on there there is hope in the um bmw's case um they've got that really cool looking boxer engine inspired electric thing 
Um, so hopefully that'll go into production because BMW have also got the beauty of um, you know having a lot of electric nows in their car division. So I'm sure there's a bit of cross table chat going across, uh, you know, through there. Yeah, and they've been doing electric scooters for a few years now as well. Like um, I can't remember what they're called. I think they're called the C C series of. Uh, scooters or something but yeah they've got electric they've had electrics out for, in Europe for ages we just don't get them here um, because we lack the infrastructure and the uh, interest apparently but yeah I want to see more electrics and if that BMW goes into production um, that would be the perfect competitor to sort of set off some kind of electric arms race sort of can you imagine it like Europe versus America versus Japan and like everyone's trying to like get the best electric bike out there, the prices will get pushed down because everyone's trying to get competitive. It'll be a win-win. Well, that's the other thing. I, I can't see the Japanese um, manufacturers just sitting by and letting um, Harley Davidson kind of own that market. I mean, sure they, they they're not, they're not going to necessarily own the market with the live wire as we know it yet. That was you know the top of the Monty bike, and that's got to be in before they can introduce their uh, you know their lower grade offerings. But I just can't see you Japanese manufacturers saying. Hey, Harley, go for it. Yeah, they're just taking their time and it's almost worrying how long and how quiet it is um, on the Japanese front when it comes to electrics. But like, we know, we've heard rumours that the big four, so Kawasaki, Honda, Yamaha and Suzuki are all working together in terms of making sure that the charging systems are all um, basically the same so that there's no issues when it comes to accessibility of charging these bikes. But actually seeing any concepts coming out, like I haven't seen or heard a thing. Um, so yeah, here's hoping Eichmann 2020 will uh, set the tone and set us off on that electric future we've been promised for so long. For sure. Those are the, those are my predictions. Do you have anything over and above that, Matt? Is there anything that you you kind of expect or would would uh, would would be expecting for for next year? Oh, honestly, I'm kind of at a crossroads. Like I'm thinking. Aprilia might be starting something off with the RS660, um, bringing back a focus to that middleweight sports bike category. It's not an all-out lunatic of a bike like the R6 or the CBR600RR, but I think they might be onto something bringing in that high-tech, that superbike-derived sports bike technology down into the lower market because most people aren't really interested in stupid fast sports bikes anymore um they're just they've gotten so tech heavy they're incredibly expensive and the only place you can use them to within 50 80 percent of their potential is on a racetrack um so yeah i think hopefully we'll see more um in terms of middleweight sports bikes but also i'm hoping as well that we'll um see a few more hyper nakeds come into the fold because like they're a ridiculous <laughs> prospect just like the superbike is like 200 horsepower at the back wheel with no fairing but they're kind of a cool halo product and it brings attention to motorcycling which again it can't be a good a bad thing sorry it can't be a bad thing to have more eyeballs looking at motorbikes going wow that's a really cool piece of kit and starting that little fire in the back of their brain going, oh, motorcycles are cool, motorcycles are cool. Look at that, that's cool. Oh, look, a motorcycle, cool. Um, like, that's my thinking anyway. 
Um, other people's brains may work slightly differently to mine. Brilliant. So roll on 2020. Something else I'm looking forward to for 2020. Now, I was initially going to bring you a story that was going to be a very depressing, very down in the dumps, very uh, sad story from our friends at Off Limits. Uh, Off Limits usually, well, they were looking to run a bunch of events throughout January um, for side-by-sides and four-wheel drives and maybe a bit of um, adventure riding as well. And they had to cancel their events. Now, as we know, uh, it was March last year, Tusk Buster 2019 was cancelled. Uh, we were going to be having our season finale of season two, I think it was, at Tusk Buster, but no, it was called off due to the uh, horrific events in Christchurch, uh, and we ended up having an absolute whale of a time on the uh, Forgotten World Highway and a lap of Mount Taranaki. Now, if you want to hear that episode, go back to season two, uh, the final episode, and have a listen. However, uh, following uh, the announcement uh, last week that Tusk Busters January events were cancelled also, uh, I was starting to get a bit worried about Tusk Buster 2020. Now, the reason they cancelled their January events was because there had been a policy change following the events in Christchurch that uh, no third-party contractors could uh, hold events or, or be on uh, New Zealand Defence Force land. And so uh, they'd asked for a special dispensation uh, and they had not had an answer uh, about that yet. So they went, well, look, it's getting a bit too close to the to the fact. Let's cancel these events. And so I was starting to go, hmm, Tusk Buster 2020, will it happen? Can they, can they run it? Good news! Tusk Buster 2020 has been approved and will go ahead. Now, mark these dates in your diary. The 27th to the 29th of March 2020 are the dates for Tusk Buster. Uh, now, this event, it's on Army Training Ground. It might be a little bit different this year. I haven't had full uh, answer or, you know, I haven't had uh, answers on my questions thus far. But generally, it is held, uh, base camp is on the rugby fields in Wairu, which is uh, down behind the uh, Z service station there, if you ever stop there. Um, and you go for, I think there's up to 90 to 110 kilometre loops, which is absolutely outstanding. I've done it a few years and I absolutely love the ride. Uh, so we've been told that it will be happening. And if you would like to get your name in the hat to go to Tusk Buster 2020, you need to re- get registered. Now, registrations for 2019, if you, uh, if you asked for your registration to be carried over to the next year, uh, you'll get an email in the next two weeks weeks is about 500 people who did that and you'll it takes a long time to to put those entries in so they'll email you um so do check your email check your spam box and all that sort of thing um and if you want if you're not registered from last year and you want to go then uh, you've got uh, two weeks to make your mind up in two weeks registrations will open uh check out the website offlimits.co.nz and click the tussock buster link for more information that was a wall of words, but the good news is Tusk Buster 2020 is happening. The bad news is I don't have a bike. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, bad news for me is I'll have a one-week-old baby at that point, so unfortunately I'm definitely not going to be able to make it to Tusk Buster, which I was really hoping I'd be able to do it. But Oh, well, maybe I should come up and get, grab Rosie and take Rosie out with those those Avon tyres that you said, you know, <laughs> we, we can see how good she really is. Oh, feel free, mate. Uh, you come up collect, come, <laughs> That's not come the up answer collected. I was expecting. 
<laughs> yeah, come up, collect it. So it's probably going to be uh, in the Coromandel, but yeah, come up with a trailer, take her away. Uh, make sure you video the whole thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was, yeah, had this mental plan in my head, and then I looked at the dates and went, oh, that's not going to work. Because, um, yeah, I was going to make it my goal to sort of get uh, a set of proper off road knobbies, um, like sort of a 90 10 tyre, maybe. Um, and yeah, then. What do you know? <laughs> Dates clash. Wow. <laughs> this is what happens when you don't keep your zipper done up, isn't it, Matt? Oh, tell me about it. <laughs> nah. What do, the, what do the women say when they, when they eat like ice cream or something? Like a minute on the lips is, is years on the hips? Well, it's pretty much the same for guys and the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Right. Well, that pretty much wraps us up. Uh, have we got anything else to yarn about before we break for the year? Um, whew. Nah, not that I... I want to say a massive, massive, massive thank you, uh, a massive heartfelt thank you, and I actually mean it, to everyone who's listened to this podcast uh, throughout the year. Thank you very much for listening. We do this for the love of it. I mean, we talk about having um, support in the in the likes of Kiwi Rider, and throughout the year we've had uh, Moto Muck help us out, but there's been no financial backing, and we've literally done this uh, for the love of it. Uh, the hosting for this podcast comes out of my credit card every uh, every month, uh, and we take time on a Sunday night generally to, uh, to 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 record. So thank you very much for listening. Uh, it means a lot to us. And if you've got any comments, feel free to uh, to leave a comment on the bottom of this uh, this episode on whatever player you're listening to us on, or you can email us powerbandpodcast at gmail You can jump on the Facebook facebook.com forward slash powerbandpodcast, and we're on Instagram as well at powerbandpodcast. We love to hear from you, uh, and again, thank you very much for listening. Because uh, without without a few listeners, we we couldn't justify making this podcast. Yeah, it does suck up a wee bit of time, doesn't it? And if nobody was listening, what's the point? <laughs> well, I suppose it's good practice practice our radio voices in case uh, we get uh, called up to the big leagues. Oh man, the amount of the amount of ads I voice on a standard day. I don't need practice, mate. <laughs> oh, oh, I definitely do. What it's been seven years since I did any radio work so yeah I need the practice at least but uh, no and uh, thank you Ray like I know you're um, sort of you're the backbone of what makes this podcast actually happen because I don't have the time or the willingness to sit down and actually edit uh, well, an hour of us spinning the shit really um, into 20 to 30 minutes of motorcycling podcasts and as you said uh, you pay for the hosting um, I just come and have a yarn with you every week. So um, big thanks to you. Oh, thanks very much. Um, also, check out onthrottle.co.nz. Probably, probably expecting a couple more stories uh, from you, uh, if you wouldn't mind cranking a few out. Come on, I'll crack the whip here um, <laughs> before the baby arrives. Uh, also, check out um, our mates at Kiwi Rider, kiwirider.co.nz. Uh, there's one more episode edition out this week. Uh, and that's it for the year and then back into it uh, second week in January I believe yeah I've been told um, roughly around the 7th of January was last I heard uh, was what they're planning so uh, yeah 
that's pretty kicking off uh, nice and early. Get your bike fix over your holiday. And we will have another episode of Powerband Podcast uh, around about then as well. Our first episode for the year, we're going to catch up with, for 2020 this is by the way, we're going to catch up with our resident racer Brent Cotton uh, and catch up on all the things uh, Suzuki Series and of course we'll be talking NZSBK as well. So much racing happening between now and when people actually start remembering what day of the week it is, right? Oh man, I don't even know what the day of the week it is to begin with. <laughs> and our first, uh, our, our second episode will be Jock McLaughlin's story from the five-day epic, which was the uh, the Tenere 700. Uh, we'll get that in the bag. But have a fantastic Christmas. Make sure you get out on your bike or um, at least go out and wash it. Uh, clean the air filter as well. Check the uh, ch- the slack in the chain. I need to do that on the MT-07. You need to um, do it on the CRF too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll be, oh, the amount of hours that's done, you'll, you'll almost be ready to oil it oh, again. Oh, nearly, yeah. <laughs> go well. Have a fantastic uh, holiday, Christmas, whatever you're doing. Uh, make sure you eat too much. Don't drink too much. And uh, we will catch you in 2020. Uh, I've been Ray. I've been Matt. Keep the rubber side down, throttle on, and have a great New Year's, won't you?